Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio South Asian show. My name's Gaines. I'm here with Halima. Hey, everyone. And just before we get speaking, I want to put the context out there that um, we are recording this on Wednesday, uh, the 18th of October. Um, this is going out on Saturday, the 21st of October. So there might have been some advancements in what we're about to discuss by then. Hopefully, nothing negative, too nothing drastic, too drastic, yeah. but... Um, yeah, just bear that in mind when you're listening back to what we're speaking about. Obviously, last week we pretty much dedicated 80% of the episode, the extended episode. It was like the longest episode <laughs> that we had, actually. No, um, no one tell Pi Radio, but we did stay an extra hour. He, yeah, we did. Um, but yeah, we dedicated like <laughs> all, all the episode basically to speaking on Israel Palestine, and because it had been two years since we last spoke about this issue, we spent. Yeah. The majority of the time, Halima was obviously giving us the historical context behind what's going on, doing some myth-busting about recent stuff, and then also at the end we were kind of reflecting on the ongoing situation in light of recent events in that area. Obviously since the episode on Saturday the 14th of October, a lot has happened. Um, Unfortunately, I really was hoping like that was going to be a like one and done kind of discussion and obviously like this is ongoing and we're watching and it's like you're hoping from the side and like any any moment now like this is gonna stop any moment now this is gonna stop and like i did not expect to have to sit back down like four days later and and kind of be like wow we also we we again have still so much to talk about and it's the same issue and it's only four days apart yeah so i think obviously Mm -hmm. like i said in on saturday because it had been two years, um, we kind of delved a lot into the kind of history and why what's happening is happening and sort of like myths about certain claims to that land and what we There's think. A lot of reflection, yeah. like in light of kind of uh, like historical myth busting. Yeah. So I would say like before anyone kind of listens to this, if you are kind of new to this this discussion or if you kind of want to know our thoughts and our reflections, then like go, it is a one hour, 40 minute video, but I have been saying to everyone, like I, I personally do think it's worth the watch, especially if you're kind of like new to the situation, you don't really understand much, not just because of like the uh, actual historical recounting, but the reflections that we give as well, I think are quite yeah. like... Um, we've had some like good feedback on it, you know. So I think we we try to be as like fair and reasonable as as we possibly could have. So yeah. um, just to kind of as a disclaimer, anyone listen to this to not take anything that we say in this conversation out of context and the context you will find in our last video. Yeah, and like Halima said um, to me outside of it as well, if you don't want to listen to an hour forty, you have the option on YouTube to do it, at, and even on Spotify as well, you can listen at double speed. So yeah. if you're into that. I am. Yeah, I find it hard, but that's a conversation for another day. So, because we focused last time on history, I think this conversation today is going to focus a lot more on the actual events of the past couple of days. So, where we left off on Saturday, Israel had told Palestinians in North Gaza that they have 24 hours to go to the south. Mm. Again, obviously, this completely doesn't take into consideration not only the shifting of 1.1 million people, 50% of our children, it also obviously doesn't take into account the people that can't move or the people that are in hospitals and people with their livelihoods, whatever. Obviously that was a very scary time and we didn't, we didn't even know like what was really 
coming yeah. in that sense. Do you sense. know what I was thinking? Like, so like, like a million people have now been displaced. I think the figures at one point one million people have now been displaced, and like you hear about like displacements across history, right? Like particularly with those, the biggest kind of um, I think human displacement was um, the forty seven partition. Yeah. And I think sometimes the thing with history, when you're learning about things as a history, there's like too often we kind of comprehend it as an abstract theory. Like it's it, it kind of suspended in obstruction, and I think we don't really sit down and actually really internalize the complexities and the realities of what it means to be displaced. And even me, like since the start of this conflict, because um, it's been like a week and a half now, one of the kind of facts of apartheid and one of the facts of settler colonialism is this mass displacement of Palestinian people. And it's a it's a conversation that you're having constantly, right? You're conversating with this concept of displacement. But sometimes, you, again, these things are suspended in obstruction. And it was only like two days ago when I actually sat down and I thought about what it actually means to be displaced. I think a lot of us look at the situation and think like it will settle. Because obviously we're, we're, we're thinking from a place of like aspiration and being hopeful. We think it's going to settle and we think they're going to be able to go back. Like this is permanent displacement. So imagine it's not just the fact that, oh, you have to leave your home. It's the fact that your home is now gone forever. It's destroyed forever. So like there is no return. You can't come back. Your house is bombed. Like, and, and it sounds so silly in the face of like something as fatal as a genocide. But like, you know, your favorite top, your favorite lipstick, your favorite pair of shoes, you know, like that jar of like unopened sauce that you were really looking to eat like yeah i mean honestly like i think this is kind of sugarcoating the whole experience but um in light of what's been going on i've been thinking about what it would be, be like if i was in their shoes and i've been yeah. thinking all the time about my dog like what yeah no, exactly, that? no like, but that's yeah. exactly it do you know what i mean like it's these everyday realities that when we're t- talking about something so huge we're just kind of thinking of like the fatality of it, you know, the fatality aspect, the fact that people are dying, but people are also losing their livelihoods. I think we measure the severity of the situation by death toll more time, you know, like Mm. if someone's not died, then okay, that's fine. That's still fine. And yes, of course it goes without saying they're better off if they're, if they haven't died in our opinion anyway. But, um, yeah, the, the, the displacement thing, like it, it only for me, like I really kind of, mentally precipitated what that actually means like genuinely like two days ago when i was looking at that figure and i was thinking like like imagine imagine the home that you're in now and all the things about your home that you love that make it your safe space that make it your solace you know like i'm looking right now these cushions and these candles and all of these things like they're you can never return to that yeah i mean also you obviously got the fact that even if you were to even return to the, the land they're not once you leave you're not allowed to come back right that's the rule for um yeah like it's so cruel on so many levels to you know like i think what you were saying as well about really deeping it i had that experience i think it was even earlier today i saw a tweet about um we spoke off air before about how egypt uh not being overly helpful in regards to the situation and i think they've actually said to israel that if they've got a problem with the number of Palestinians um, in southern Gaza, then they should let them um, go and live in the Israeli desert, actually, where the um, music festival is taking place, that obviously the Hamas um, carried out a massacre at. Um, And 
in a quote tweet of that, someone was actually saying like, oh, but this this is Egypt are advocating for a forced displacement, yeah. aka an element of ethnic cleansing. And yeah. reading that, I thought, you know what, actually, when you think of ethnic cleansing, I have always kind of thought of it as just the murdering of people of a certain ethnicity but actually it's not just murder like it's 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 the cleansing of an ethnicity which Mm -hmm. happens not just by killing people yeah no and that's exactly it it's like okay fine fair enough like we we think like as long as they're not dead like it's okay we're measuring the severity of and the depravity of this like occupation and this genocide based on who has and who have the numbers of who have and who haven't died right but also it's like okay fine say fair, fair enough like you haven't died but now you've been displaced you've lost your home you've lost all the things that you love you've lost your entire livelihood and now you're forced to live in like a refugee camp in the desert where like it's no sort of life it's so undignified you know so like <clears throat> can can we count that as like a life saved like mm. just because they're not they have a pulse but they have nothing else they have no livelihood can we count that as like we've saved this life you know so yeah yeah no it's a really interesting way of thinking about it and i think a lot of people would immediately come back from that and be like oh no well you're being ungrateful but it's like realistically though no everyone has that's like that what we're talking about is like the dignity the like the having a dignified life it's a basic human right it's not about being grateful or being ungrateful like it's not simply a pulse it's not simply a heart heartbeat that 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 gives someone life life comes with livelihood you know and if you're taking everything away from a people that to me is just as like not fatal but just as depraved as just killing them yeah and obviously I think people should always advocate for life and the opportunities that being alive obviously offers. Exactly, like a dignified better. life. Yeah. You know, it, not just life, a dignified yeah. life. I think people should always offer, um, opt for living life and seeing what opportunities come through. Um, and basically implying that um, su- be, suicide should not be an option or being guided should not be an option. You should always try your best to actually find it. Like you never know what's going to come around the corner. Essentially, however. That being said, what is the point of saving someone's life in the if name of being positive? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I'm not saying then that oh, like they would be better off dead. Yeah, but it's a very small. But like, that's um, like um, I did read a statistic. Like uh, this was a long time ago, so I cannot remember it from the top of my mind. But I'm sure you guys can Google it about the rates of suicide, especially the rates of suicide in children in Gaza are really really high oh. and and the rates of mental trauma which i mean obviously goes without saying yeah. but yeah in gaza the rates of suicide i've I read ages ago are really high and like it it goes without saying like if it's not it's it's an indirect uh, fatality just because they might not have died from like an you know an israeli missile or an israeli bullet it's still an indirect death from the occupation so one of the main things that i think that can be reflected on today in like the events of the past four days is Western intervention and response to what's been going on. So obviously, as part of the, the discussion on Saturday, we already covered how we got here has a lot to do with Western intervention in regards to Britain making Palestine its own colony in the early 1900s. Obviously, the US had a big part to play and has had a big part to play over the last 60, 70 years in terms of propping up Israel in terms of its military power to date. They currently provide nearly $4 billion a year to the um, IDF 
8 Wait. billion with this initially when this kind of first yeah. war first broke out and I think Israel recently like 2 days ago maybe requested a further 10 billion which I think might be being honored. Yeah. Sure. I mean and obviously right now as we're saying this on Wednesday um the 18th of October US President Joe Biden has actually traveled to Israel Ugh. um to meet with um Netanyahu the um prime minister for Israel. Um, I'm not really sure what the purpose of it is. Is it just to show solidarity? I'm, I'm I mean, not, I'm, I'm guessing so. Yeah. I'm guessing so. Um, uh, so, yeah, as you can get from this, these are just a few examples of how the West is very much heavily involved in what's going on, but and also in terms of shows of solidarity with Israel that we saw last week. I think it's also probably a bit of important context to give as well that as we're saying this, um, last night on the eve of... Tuesday the 17th of October um, a Christian hospital in northern Gaza was um, bombed we don't currently have an official statement um, from anyone as to the exact perpetrator of said bomb I think initially um, officials from Israel came out and said that it was them. Then they retracted back and said that it wasn't, and they blamed Hamas and said that it's a misfired rocket. The death toll of this, by the way, is currently sitting at um, between 500 to 1,000. Have they confirmed officially? No, I just know that when it happened, they said that they expect that it is at least 500. Yeah. Yeah. And then some figures I've, I've seen are 1,000. I think personally for me, that yesterday, what happened yesterday, the bombing of that hospital for me was kind of like, <clears throat> I don't know, it was very hard to quantify and like qualify um, tragedies and, and, and kind of like war crimes, which Israel have been committing since the start of this, well, I mean, the start of the Israeli state. Um, but for me, I don't know. I feel like there was just something especially depraved about bombing, not just a hospital, a charity hospital. So, you know, it's literally the most vulnerable, the most precarious of people who are in that situation. We spoke before about kind of like imagining if it was us being displaced. And we spoke about how there's so much about displacement that we don't think about. If you're pregnant, if you're disabled, if you have whatever medical issues, you know. Um, And kind of my understanding is that these hospitals are were supposed to be places of refuge for the absolute most vulnerable. Obviously, like every civilian in Palestine is is innocent. Like we consider it as an innocent life that shouldn't have to suffer at the hands of the, you know, Israeli state or the IDF. However, like those people there are really, really the most vulnerable of the most vulnerable. Um, I think you know that as well because obviously they've literally been told leave north gaza and they're still they're there still there no because one, they no can't one is go. there yeah no one no one is there unless they absolutely have, have to, to be. be exactly yeah. you know and it's like the doctors they're blessed their hearts like they were the ones that are refusing you know they were the ones that were refusing to leave like you know i've seen videos of like babies in in like icu like that's how that's how com- like complex this is that's how many levels there are to this you know we're not just talking about an everyday able-bodied civilian you know mm-hmm. like there's currently fifty thousand women i think who are pregnant in 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 gaza um numerous people who are disabled numerous kind of people with with life-threatening illnesses that need urgent and immediate medical attention um and and that is what what was bombed now what the situation is is that israel firstly came and took 
um, assumed responsibility of the attack, um, and then as the de- as the death toll kind of rose, and coverage was being unfolded, and we were kind of seeing media as well coming out of this. I saw th- I so me personally, I never ever ever I make it a point to never ever like see and and hear like um like death and trauma from like uh, an oppressed people because I think it's very undignified. And for me personally, like I'm very sensitive. I can't handle it. Um, and I and I I but I'm finding with this what's going on in Palestine right now that I'm really struggling to just keep scrolling because it's just it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I accidentally came uh, watched like three seconds of a clip of a father with his children's limbs in a body bag. Like I think yeah I, I've seen the clip as well, and I think it was even more disturbing was the fact that you could tell that he was just out of it. Because I think yeah. I watched it watched it back because I was very confused because I thought he almost looked like he was like smiling if that makes sense. You because would I think he was yeah literally I was like you would go crazy yeah. like he had to gather the limbs of his children because that's all that was left of them and he had to put them in a plastic bag and that to me was probably the most harrowing thing one of the most harrowing things I've ever seen in my life. And for me, I don't know, like, yet last night, just, I don't know, it just did something to me. And and it made me think a lot about what it was that led to this place, you know. And I think in times of war, people kind of accept, as I say, a level of depravity. People accept a level of fatality because oftentimes people accept war as a fact of life. Um, But kind of something like that, bombing a hospital, I think is uniquely evil right and it's mandated and it and i think it doesn't just happen it doesn't just happen it's a very concerted thing you have to overturn not just layers of moral morality but also layers of international law you know like there are literal special international laws that say do not harm medics do not like um uh, harm hospitals do not harm like the vulnerable people right um and to overturn all of these layers of instruction and morality is 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 you, you that needs to be your goal right it's not just something that happens that needs to it's not collateral i cannot consider that collateral i consider that as like deci- you made a very very Intended. decisive decision to do that and for me i was just there like how did we get here and for me personally I put the blame on the Western, like, mainstream media and the Western leaders. Um, And just to give you a little bit of context, in the time coming up to this, by the way, like, again, we don't know for sure at this point, like, who who it was. Obviously, Israel... first assumed responsibility they're now blaming Hamas Hamas obviously saying we didn't do it a lot of people kind of from what I'm seeing a a lot of the things that I've seen is that people are saying that it was Israel because of certain evidence um namely the fact that they did release um what was it they released at least three (coughs) videos onto their Twitter initially two have been deleted and one was um, proven to be from last year I think the video that is circulating at the moment kind of shows how it kind of shows a bomb or a rocket or whatever. I'm not 
totally familiar on it, but it kind of shows it like changing direction and coming back down. Yeah. Um. So I think that's obviously <coughs> being used to suggest that it, it was, was Hamas. Yeah. But then also, I I'm not like a warfare expert. I'm just kind of saying what I've seen, which is a lot of people um have spoken about the kinds of rockets that Hamas have and mm. the fact that Hamas rockets don't have the capacity to create because um, because yeah. at, at the very least it's 500 people dead in one in one uh from one rocket That's from one blast guys in right? health ministry i think it is that said that so it is a credible source that right. has said that at least yeah. 500 that are dead right um and 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 so you understand like it has to be a rocket of kind of like great mm. power um, and from what I understand, every single rocket that Hamas have ever fired has not had that same power. I've seen photos of the damage that Hamas rockets um, historically have caused. And it's yeah. kind of usually like a big hole in the wall, not something that would be capable yeah. of killing 500 people. This is um, what I'm confused about as well in terms of the stuff that's been circulating on social media over the past day. Um, I've seen what is definitely a picture of the hospital parking lot mm. which people are using to say how have 500 people died from this mm-hmm. but then obviously also we've seen literally the doctors standing delivering a press conference with amongst mutilated bodies, bodies. so like a, a sea of mutilated yep. bodies like we have at this point like i don't think anyone would really trust the um uh, israeli state they're the same people by the way who said that they didn't kill you know the journalist shireen mm. and then later on when the kind of media frenzy had died down admitted quietly that yeah. actually yes they did again i'm not here to say that this is fact but i have also seen articles of survivors from the um massacre supernova have come forward and said that actually they yeah. believe that some of the people that died were shot by um retaliatory shots so, from the no, idea so, so and this is what i was going to talk about like like we could go we could delve into this like later on but i wouldn't trust the the israeli the israeli kind of propaganda that i would call it right now personally um because historically they have lied they did the same thing um when they i can't remember the instance from the top of my head there was a um a, a refugee camp i think in lebanon that they had bombed and then they didn't say they did it and then later on they said that they did it i can't remember from the top of my head the instance but something along those lines um i mean the other stuff as well is that literally First of all, you've got the fact that this hospital that's been bombed is not the only one that's been bombed over the past couple of days. I think at least 12 have. Also, you've got the fact that this is actually, ta- all the speculation on this is actually taking away from the fact that earlier in the day, no one's denied that Israel actually bombed a school in North Gaza that they knew and many knew that um, lots of people were actually taking shelter there. Yeah. Um, and we've also got the fact that we know that Israel military officials called up um, the hospital at least twice on yeah. the day telling them to leave. Yeah. And they've been telling them to leave. like we've, For a long time, yeah. yeah. We, we've been wondering, like, well, <coughs> why, are they, why are they telling hospitals to evacuate like the past couple of days? Like, surely yeah, but they No, they told the whole of North Gaza to evacuate. Yeah. Like, when we, when we heard that, I remember we was on air. Go back and listen to the episode. Mm. We sat there on air and we said, we're very scared of what that means. Yeah, but it was also like the fact that they are specifically also 
calling up hospitals and telling them to leave, which some people also will kind of take and spin to say that, oh, well, see, they're being nice. They're telling them to leave. Well, it's like, well, no, because first of all, they shouldn't be telling they, them to leave in the first place. They should just place. not be touched. Hospitals yeah. should just not be touched. I'm sorry. Like, even in warfare, there's got to be some kind of rules. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just, that yeah. go, that that goes beyond contemption, in my opinion. Yeah. So, you know? so obviously, we now are in this like situation. Like, the people, the, the army that have been bombing Gaza non-stop um, for the past week and a half how can like, there be any contention in my opinion now that they were the ones that bombed Gaza this is the thing obviously we don't have any we are not saying that this definitely happened because we are not in a position to be able to say that Just my however, however if you look at all of the facts that are there ultimately like if Hamas had the capability to be killing 500 people in one fell swoop for me, logically, that makes me wonder then why didn't they do that on the 7th of October? The 7th of October was a ground, um, like ground attack, right? Mm-hmm. So for me personally, I'm kind of looking at the facts and the figures. I'm, I'm looking at all the contextual clues. And for me personally, it doesn't add up that Hamas would be the ones to <clears throat> do this attack, not just because they don't have the capability, but because of Israel's own kind of records and Israel's own precedent. And back to what I was saying, like I, I, I kind of really had to sit there and really question to myself, like how is something like this allowed to happen? How do we get to this place that even kind of what what little rule we have of warfare, even those are just completely like um, ignored, you know? Um, and for me, as I said, I personally put the blame on like Western mainstream media and the Western leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm, and I talk particularly of the coverage and the propaganda, in my opinion, that has been coming out preceding this attack. Um, for example, like a certain very mainstream news organization have been putting out articles and tweets saying, oh, um, Hamas are suspected as having tunnels underneath schools mm. and hospitals. Yeah, I think it was like, oh, it's like answering a Q&A. Oh, like, so it, they weren't explicitly saying, oh, they're suspected, but it's very much, it's what's dragging people in to click the article, if that makes sense. Right. But obviously a lot of people just read that and think, oh, Hamas are hiding in hospitals or under schools. And by the way, like, we say this because, like, we, I think we spoke last last week about the kind of the mainstream reporting of this issue. Like, nothing here is benign. Nothing here is an oversight. Nothing here is a mistake. Make no mistakes about it. The way the mainstream are reporting on this is exactly how they intend to report on it. We're talking about, you know, the mainstream media being so insidious that when it's Israelis, they are killed. And when it's Palestinians, they are dead. You know, that is the level of like insidiousness that we're talking about here with regards to mainstream reporting on Gazan life. So a certain news kind of station had put out kind of statements or kind of clickbait titles, you know, alluding to Hamas having tunnels underneath schools and hospitals. 24 hours later. A a hospital is bombed. Like, does that, is that like, can you not like, I don't know for me, that's quite a clear link there personally. Um, because what that does is it kind of it, it what should be the you know a place that is sanctified now then loses its sanctity and becomes a, a, a target um, and you know um, Netanyahu the the uh, prime minister yeah 
of Israel as well like um was it yesterday or the day before he did this whole twitter thread talking about this is a struggle between the children of light and the children of darkness between humanity and the law of the jungle this is like um this is the most primordial example of like polarizing uh, uh, two, two groups of people it is a biblical example of kind of the polarization of two groups of people light and dark it is kind of the most as i say like archetypal iconography that we have of good versus evil victim versus perpetrator it is just so textbook to me it's crazy um law of the jungle as well is is very savages exactly it points to this idea of like arab and muslim like you know barbaricness it's literally every single time a genocide is committed like in native americans like that obviously was used to justify the way they treated them the slave trade like every 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 example that we have of a demographic of people being oppressed like a genocide being enacted on a people based on their like ethnic racial background religious background that is exactly the techniques that are used referring to them as animals referring to them with the imagery of like darkness and lawlessness even right? holocaust as well like we mentioned last week exactly exactly even the holocaust so so when uh, uh you know the kind of leader of, of of one side is able to come out and talk about a whole group of people in this way it, it as we spoke about last week dehumanizes them it then allows them to lose the frames of recognizability of life to then allow them to be made victims with impunity that's what's important here like it no. necessitates the death of palestinian life why because they are darkness and they are lawlessness you know what's like laughable as well? I know we covered this um, semi last week, but I'm just thinking now about how it's obviously Netanyahu that's come out and said this. And people that are maybe still not convinced about the difference in resources, difference in everything between Israel and Palestine, do you not maybe wonder why there's not a spokesperson? For Palestine, do you know what I mean? We've heard so much from Netanyahu, from um, is it Herzog? Who's the? um, the It's not just it's not just him. Like it's not just Netanyahu. It's like the. Why does the state of Israel have a Instagram account? Why does the state of Israel have a Twitter account? And not just that's what I'm saying. Like why does the state of Israel not just have a Twitter account and an Instagram account? Why are they now publicly beefing? celebrities on that i've mm. genuinely pri- i with pride as with well pride like calling out dogpiling on celebrities i've been on social media for most of my life i have never seen anything like this in my life and you know for me what that means it means that they require a, a level of branding for them to even have a social media in the first place where they're out there and they t- and it's like a, 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 an influencer it's like a social media influencer account that is that is just live tweeting it's literally like you know how um ryan air always like kind of quote stuff like in a jokey way yeah it's like the exact polar opposite like because they are obviously what's happened with Gigi hadid i've seen an article today that says her family who bear in mind they are literally palestinian they who are were being, displaced yeah, in 1948 yeah, her her dad her 
his side of the family, they were literally displaced because when Jewish people um, came to Palestine originally, um, their family took them in, obviously being the nice people they are, and the people that they took in actually ended up displacing them. Mm-hmm. And so they've there's a really rough history there, mm-hmm. which uh, is which is like that's one example of a very like uh, probably one of the most famous Palestinians of our time right now. Yeah, but that's the case for like millions so of Palestinians. Many. Like, but it's the fact that obviously these it, there's hurt there, and even now you've seen in the types of responses that Gigi Hadid did the fact that. I don't think any of the others have actually done that much of a radical statement. Even Gigi's statement was very nuanced. The fact that even in light of that, her family have been receiving death threats over the past week. Yeah, Pure, of course. Like, and Israel, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry, but I have no problem in saying that. I think that Israel has a part to play in that for the way that they've been acting on social media. Of course, they're literally dogpiling. They're singling... We're not talking about an uh, individual. We're not talking about a, an influencer. We're not talking about like the, like the account is supposed to protect state interests. Like act accordingly. Do you get what I'm saying? Like you're a whole ass country. You're a whole ass UN nation state. Act accordingly, right? I mean, like obviously this is not the worst of Israel's crimes. They're literally committing genocide right now. But like it's just, it's it's kind of to me. I'm and this is me talking right now. It's actually like deranged. It's like watching a psychotic breakdown. Like, that's what it feels like to me, you know? Um, but again, like, for me, I, I heard someone make a point before where they were like, a lot of, you know, other, other nations don't need this kind of, like, social media branding because they have history, they have culture. Like, that's their... Not to say that, is, that Israelis don't have culture. I mean, culture is kind of, like, a very easily translatable term. But, like, a lot of countries know who they are, right? And I will say this because I've seen the... Um, is Israel basically do, I think we spoke about it last episode where Israel do like um, indoctrination trips. And I, and I say indoctrination because I know someone, a good friend of mine who she's American. She went on one of these trips and um, she herself called it as, as, as a visitor, she called it an indoctrination trip. She was invited and she went. Um, and I also recently heard of a group of Bengalis um, from an area in Manchester who also went on the same trip basically so israel kind of one of the things they do as a nation state is invite kind of demographics from all over the world to go and see israel it's like when a new building opens and like you go to look at a new building or like a new gym or like a new school like that's kind of the vibe that it gives me and 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 their social media use kind of compounds this idea that they are grappling for some kind of like legitimacy because I think at the core of it, they know that they are not. And I say this not as like, oh, because it's like a Jewish homeland. I say because it's a, it's a nation state that's founded on displacement, genocide, apartheid. You can never be legitimate if that's the kind of founding instruments of your, of your nation state. It is such a shame as well, because obviously at its core, the actual positive, honest, innocent wanting at all of this before the west got involved was simply for jewish people to live in peace somewhere yeah and they themselves have been displaced from all over europe during obviously the holocaust and periods of anti-semitism before that that's i think that's what makes the situation so difficult you know because it's like it's so hard now to think about how can we honor this jewish strive 
for a homeland when it has become tarnished by the actions of the Israeli state. Obviously, as all smart, responsible adults, we we should be able to make that distinction. But it is it's so complex. It's so difficult, like to to, to be able to look at that and and legitimize that when the very foundations of the Israeli state were founded on practices of apartheid and settler colonialism and genocide and you know i mean we've kind of like done a bit of like a sandwich here gone into one thing i want to come back out to it obviously we're talking about western intervention involvement in this as we say currently u.s president joe biden is in israel he's meeting with netanyahu and they actually released a conversation with him earlier today in which joe biden i believe said that from what it appears, it looks like it was the other team that carried out this bombing on the hospital. Now, this is literally a mere days. I don't think it's even been a week since Joe Biden actually came out in front of the White House, gave a, gave a speech about what's going on in Israel, said that he'd literally just seen photos of mm. beheaded babies by Hamas. Then immediately afterwards, the White House had to come out and retract that statement because it was he in was fact lying. false. Because he was lying. He hadn't seen the it's photos. It's not just false. He was lying. Like, he was actively lying. Like, he's a liar, you know? And that's what we're dealing with right now. The The most powerful leader of the most powerful nation is lying on the on the coverage of what's going on on the ground. He has absolutely no credibility. And for me personally... None of the Western leaders do. I mean, this is a thing as well. It's been incredibly, I would say, almost pathetic in my opinion to see last fact, like, last yeah the, the last night. As soon as the whole hospital thing happened, immediately everyone's like, "Oh, actually, this is quite bad." Like, but it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yep, I also yep. refuse oh. to actually believe that it was that they genuinely believed in my opinion i don't think that they genuinely believed what they were saying about like oh collective punishment is fine israel has a right to defend itself i don't believe they were genuinely thinking that and then now we're like oh actually this is bad i think if these people who are in these positions are intelligent people they will have known that there is every possibility that what happened last night in terms of a hospital being bombed by whoever it was they knew that there was going that there was a possibility of that happening and now they are just trying to save face by that's that, all it that is thing. that's all it is they these are world leaders by the way these are people i mean however unqualified we might think they are and trust me i do think they are unqualified they know what warfare is like they have some level of qualification to be where they are right now they understand diplomatic and international relations so these guys they're not they're not silly they're not silly when they're standing in front of the whole world and they're saying that israel who already have a history of apartheid and ethnic cleansing absolutely has a right to defend itself they know the lengths to which israel are going to go right so I don't believe that they, as Carla, I completely agree with, I don't believe that they, they're completely surprised at what has happened. I do think it is an absolutely pathetic attempt to simply save face. Why? Because what's happening to Palestinians right now will echo in history. And at some point it will become part of their legacy and they will be asked to answer for it. And all they want to do is is have that little caveat that that where they're like oh no but we sent aid and we did say like oh oh they shouldn't suffer you know like it's um 
paving the path for historical apologism in, for the future essentially that's that's how i see it right now oh by the way as well like if we want to talk about like western interest um the un had a vote for whether there should be a, a ceasefire and um it was the us the uk france and japan who who said no they voted no they didn't just abstain they said no and it's not lost on me that those four nations are four of the greatest imperial powers in modern history so do with that what you will i think as well in light of what happened last night obviously a hospital got bombed people obviously horrified by this bolu on twitter she quoted it basically saying like i will like essentially saying i will never forgive the western leaders that sanctioned this absolutely and i completely agree with that i I shared that myself it was only after that they started being this kind of speculation about oh who's who's done this bombing it was actually them but then i thought about it i was like you know what even if it comes out and it is unequivocally proved that hamas did this I still personally 100% blame Western powers because if they had advocated for a ceasefire, for Israel to de-escalate, for them to come to some kind of, for peace, Mm -hmm. this would not have happened by no no matter who it was. Make no mistakes about it. The uh, the West have absolutely stoked the flames of of this genocide. Like, because by the way, when this this whole thing broke out, right, Israel's uh, strike back kind of um, began immediately. No Western leader stood forth and said anything of, of the Palestinians other than the fact that, oh, um, Israel completely have a right to defend themselves. That is the kind of one and only stance that they took for a very long time. And only now at this point where the death toll is like seismically much higher than that of Israelis, only now are they starting to come forward and kind of backpedal a little bit. But I yeah. absolutely, absolutely like mirror the sentiment that I will never forgive the, the, these these Western leaders. I think, like, we spoke about it last week as well. I think that for Muslims, this is a particularly harrowing time. Obviously, this is a human rights concern that kind of should really concern absolutely everyone. I don't think one single one of us, no matter who you are, where you come from, what religious kind of faith you follow, what identity you resonate with not one single one of us is exempt from this conversation however because and and i don't want to say that this is a a muslim issue because it's a palestinian issues and that includes as i said last week palestinians jews and muslims and and christians and atheists and all all palestinians from all walks of life however this is a kind of genocide that has been predicated on huge scale islamophobia and that has been facilitated by decades of global islamophobia as enacted by the west right we're already seeing instances of Sikh people being attacked have you have you seen that i i haven't but obviously there have been reports it's literally 9-11 it's, all over it's, again. it's post 9-11 all over again as in like that is how entrenched islamophobia is because we know that islam is racialized these guys are so ignorant they can't even tell they see a brown person it must be a muslim they need to they need to be attacked right so that's the kind of conversation that we're having that's the pretext that's the basis on which this entire genocide has been predicated so for muslims it's a it's a a differently harrowing kind of experience to 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 watch all of this on the side and because me as a british muslim i'm looking at, at this situation and by the way make no mistakes about it i never thought that the british state had my interest at heart i knew i know where i stand in terms of the british state but this level of disdain i didn't think i would get to see and for me personally i'm very very actively political i have been for a very very long time i believe in in political you know organizing 
I genuinely, I cannot foresee myself taking part in Westminster elections again. Like, I'm not voting. General elections are coming up next year. I'm not voting because there's not a single political party that has actually stood up and said this, like, this should not be happening. Collectively. 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 I mean, again, this is purely our opinion, but do you know how mad it is that literally there have been Tory... MPs that have actually stood up and individually and said like cause for a ceasefire yet case Starmer hasn't. He's just I don't, don't I can't even talk about him truly truly I can't even talk about it. actually I can he's a f- there we go I probably will bleep that out but yeah I mean to round this part of the episode off as well like last week just want to say that we obviously completely condone the steep rise of both anti-semitism and islamophobia that we've seen in the past week across the world seen like a number of like jewish schools that have, have been like doused in red paint i've seen um 23andme the um you know the dna company i've seen that um people have hacked into that and got like information on ashkenazi jews like and then use that for a targeted attack but um i think the thing that probably strikes the most for me is um the six-year-old yeah the six-year-old boy in chicago who was killed by his landlord who said explicitly said that he needed to kill a muslim Um, a palestinian palestinian muslim boy six not even a boy he was a baby he was a baby um six years old and not only was he killed oh i can't even talk about this he was stabbed like six times I think. 26 26 26 times um and you know what's crazy about this situation is that they previously had a good relationship with the landlord so when the landlord entered the boy went to give him a hug and then the landlord like stabbed him 26 times like that for me is i'm not gonna kind of dignify that with any kind of commentary because i just don't think there's any commentary that can adequately kind of attest to how like barbaric that is um but that's what we talk about when we talk about global islamophobia that's exactly what we talk about and obviously i think thoughts with um, his mother as well i believe she was also injured yeah well thank you for listening to this part of today's episode if you are feeling able to please do continue listening myself and simran are gonna have some conversations about some light topics thanks guys and hopefully next week we have better things to say. Right, yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio, South Asian show. My name's Gerns. I'm here with Simran. Hi. And if we sound not animated in any way, it's because we just recorded what we're about to talk about. Pretty much a whole episode. Yeah, and I forgot to press the record button. So, silly me, here we are again. How are you, Simran? I'm fine. Yeah, we're not <laughs> going to go into as much context as we did, but Simran, what are you up to this weekend? I'm packing to go to Barcelona for my 24th birthday, which is on Sunday. Very fun. That's all I can ask about that because I don't want to hear a story again. Yep. Right, Jada and Will Smith. Simran said, um, before we started recording actually, that everything that she has heard about this couple has been against her own will and i think the majority of us feel that way for sure um the most recent thing that has come out about this couple has been jade is releasing a memoir so she had an interview about um the book and she actually revealed um public knowledge for the first time that her and will smith have been separated since 2016 
we know that they've had like a relatively rocky relationship over the past couple of years, but I think it's quite impressive that they managed to actually keep the fact that they've actually been separated um, completely non-public knowledge up until now. It's obviously 2016, and that's, what, seven years? Yeah, it's a long time. Now, she said, speaking to NBC's Today Show, we are in a place now that we're in a deep healing space and we're really concentrating on healing the relationship between us. We are working very hard at bringing our relationship together back to a life partnership. Will also said, um, in regards to the memoir being released, that he said that the book kind of woke him up and that he's now realised that he, she is more resilient, clever and compassionate than he'd understood. So... It's seeming like this. They yes, they've been separated, but they're saying that they actually there is a possibility of them getting back together. Interesting, because the past couple of years, like I said to the public, their relationship has been very rocky. Obviously, the most recent event was at the Oscars last year, where Chris Rock was actually slapped by Will Smith after he made an inappropriate joke about Jada, and. Will very much defended Jada saying my wife, um, obviously referring to as such, even though they would have been separated for like six years at that point. Meanwhile, obviously other stuff that's been going on is I think even like 2013, Jada told Huffington Post, Will is his own man. I'm here as his partner, but he is his own man, which kind of implied that maybe their relationship is open. And there's also been a lot of speculation in 2020 with the whole entanglement issue, which I'm sure everyone remembers when that word was circulating round loads. It's because Jada had a quote-unquote entanglement with um, August Alsina. Obviously, their relationship has been questioned by the public quite a lot over the past couple of years, but they've only just come out and said that they've been um, separated since 2016. Now, I think the question here is because it's always Jada that kind of comes out and says stuff about this relationship and people kind of look at Will like, are you okay? Like, do you want this information to be shared? And also, do you actually want to still be in this relationship? Obviously, from what he's just said, it's clear that he does want to be in it. But I think the question is like, is it really appropriate that Jada keeps on coming out and sharing every little thing about this relationship with the world? I think, like I said, everything I learn about them is against my will. And I think that a lot of people agree with that statement. Um, it's just mental, the amount of like information she just voluntarily gives up to everybody about this and stuff that nobody asked for. Like, I just feel like I can open Instagram and it's a new headline about her saying the most wildest thing about their marriage. And I'm like, who keeps interviewing this woman? Obviously, I don't, I don't know their relationship. I don't know Will Smith, but you just kind of feel bad for him. Like you're basically being done by your own wife or like the person that everyone thought was your wife mm. for the last however long. And it's just like, I feel bad. There have been people that have come forward in defense of her and said that there's been a number of red flags on his, his part that he's admitted himself, particularly in regards to why he broke up with his first wife. But at the same time, I don't know. I think there's certain things that just kind of like, I, I get being open with everyone, but I also think there are certain things in regards to a relationship that actually work best when they're kept between the couple and worked on in private rather than sharing with millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on that topic, also in the news this week, 
Britney Spears has also decided to release a memoir. She, for those who don't know, divorced from her husband, Sam Asghari, earlier this year, or is in the process of divorcing. And in this memoir, she actually revealed that, obviously, her and Justin Timberlake, for those who don't know, were a couple in the early noughties. She revealed that, actually, she got pregnant during that time. In speaking on it, she said... It was a surprise, but for me, it wasn't a tragedy. Justin definitely wasn't happy about the pregnancy. He said we weren't ready to have a baby in our lives, that we were way too young. If it had been left up to me alone, I never would have done it. She also described the abortion as one of the most agonizing things she's ever experienced in her life. Obviously, there's an argument to be had here that her raising awareness on women's experience of abortion and um, what a lot of people go through when they have this process. Obviously, that's not to say that this process has to be um, traumatising like she's saying it was, but um, it is the experience of a number of people. So talking about it and raising awareness of it is a good thing. However, I feel like unless she has actually got explicit permission from Justin to speak on this and name drop him, I do think that there's maybe an argument to be had that it's a bit insensitive and inappropriate to actually name him as the father of the baby and talk about this and what's happened because ultimately in regards to the abortion itself it was always her body her choice in terms of what she actually does with this unborn baby but talking about the experience because obviously Justin still has a part to play here I do think that she should have got his permission and I, I don't know whether she has or not but um, if she hasn't, then I do think that's wrong. And I'm saying that as well, totally aware of the fact that Justin's treatment of Brittany um, during their breakup at the time was incredibly misogynistic, in my opinion. He obviously went on a number of um, shows and actually bragged about having took her virginity um, and also did nothing to um, stop rumours of infidelity. In fact, probably encouraged them through the fact that he... Um, released his music video for Crimey River which featured a Britney lookalike cheating on him and he's just sat by as she was painted out to be a bad role model meanwhile he obviously went and often had an incredibly um, successful solo career Um, but yeah having said that though I still think that if Britney hasn't actually got Justin's permission then I don't think that she should have name dropped him i think she could have just said that she obviously got pregnant when she was younger and had to have an abortion i think like the awareness needs to be increased and like there needs to be like a creation of like safe spaces for people who can have babies around their experience of like losing a baby or getting an abortion and it's incredibly like it's been a hot topic the last few years in politics anyway with things that been happening in america and stuff like that so i feel like while it's important to speak on those experiences, especially from such like a public figure perspective as Britney has, there is still two parts to this. And like without his consent, I feel like it's maybe not the most appropriate move to like drop his name in it. Whereas she could have raised the same amount of awareness and spoke on her experience in the same manner Mm -hmm. without name dropping him and just saying like from a time in her youth, instead of specifically dropping the years or like saying it was from this relationship and this was the ins and outs of it, right? And I'm not trying to like, take away from her experience in any regard but it's more just like remembering that there was two people and if there wasn't any kind of like malicious intent from Justin's side I feel like there wasn't any need he doesn't there's no it doesn't really add a lot for us to know that it was him compared to 
from by, by way of speaking of her experience alone of just going through that yeah i mean to be fair like thinking about it obviously it was a massive thing that britney said that she was waiting until marriage until justin actually revealed that they had had sex which i feel like maybe actually that does maybe beg the argument that it would have been obvious no matter what she said that it was her experience with justin if that makes sense but i don't know i think even aside from it like i mean we don't know whether she's got justin's permission to talk about this but i think definitely he shouldn't have been name dropped if if he hadn't given his consent to because there's also the fact that obviously he you don't even need to necessarily think about justin is justin has obviously got a completely life of his completely new life of his own outside of britney as well so there's lot there's more people involved as well that maybe don't want that kind of like arguably negative attention drawn towards yeah. justin because the way that britney's spoken about it as well i'm sure a lot of people are going to be like oh like they probably like, oh he pressured her to do this blah 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 which exactly yeah. and also it's not to say that the experience didn't hurt him either i'm not saying it didn't I'm not saying it didn't but it's not to say that it could not have hurt him it's not he it's, she didn't say anything about it being a, like a malicious point of view that it happened it was just the practicality of them being young they were at a point in their careers and that is what the freedom to get an abortion allows you to do in that sense and like i'm not taking away from the fact that it is tragic and it can be traumatic for a lot of people and the experience might not be as good as it needs to be in a from a practical hospital like a healthcare point a sense uh, point of view but it's not to take away the fact that he might also still be mourning that or he might also still be feeling away about that sure agree simran well thank you for basically repeating what we have just said once already though you know what i kind of enjoyed doing that rapid fire episode yeah. yeah, we could do that more often. Yeah, but the, to be fair, I feel like it wouldn't have been as rapid fire if we didn't know exactly what we were going no. to say. Uh, but And um, Dave died, guys. Oh, yeah, let me just explain this, right? So for context, when we weren't recording, Simran suddenly <clears throat> announced that Dave had died. Now, I obviously immediately was like, what? Like, oh my gosh, that's so bad. Obviously, immediately thinking of Dave the Rapper. Simran's not talking about Dave from South London. Simran's talking about Dave the Dog from Gogglebox, which obviously is still sad, but I feel like Simran maybe be more specific next time. I'm sorry. I just read a headline. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's sad. And people are devastated in the comments. As Mianka said, it's giving David's dead. Yep. Well, thank you, Simran. Thank you to everyone that's tuned in. Hopefully, next week as well, we have more positive things to talk about, though I wouldn't bank on it. But actually, you know what? Next week, we're all going to be together in the studio. So at least we'll have a little bit of positivity. Thank you, guys. And everyone wishes good luck at the Asian Media Awards. Bye. Thanks, everyone.